Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. This is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Frankie Mackay on SENZ. Yes, I was going to actually um, come in and say that I'm better looking than Frankie Mackay, that that wouldn't be true. Mark Watson with you this morning selling all th- uh, celebrating all things Canterbury. Uh, it hurts being an Auckland man, but I do have family that live in Christchurch, and I'll be honest with you quietly, I'm pretty impressed by what happens in the sporting world, uh, the talent that does come out of Canterbury. Anyway, welcome into the programme, with you through to 8 o'clock this morning. A little bit later on, we'll have Brendan Laney and Brendan Egan on our panel. We'll get their thoughts on tonight's MPC semi-final. It is Canterbury at home, your mob up against the Bay of Plenty. Isn't it nice to see Bay of Plenty in the top four? Would have been a bit of a shame if it had ended up being Canterbury, Waikato, Auckland and Wellington for all the other, within the 14 unions, it still ends up being sort of the four major sort of rugby regions. Um, Canterbury, should they get the job done against Bay of Plenty? They're going to need to have a much improved second 40 minutes than what we saw against Northland. Mind you, Northland, a very, very good MPC side. Uh, On the programme, we're going to catch up with Lucy Crabb. Now, Lucy is based in Burnham in Christchurch. She's a member of the Defence Ferns. Now, this is the New Zealand Defence Force women's rugby team. They've got the first international defence rugby competition basically a world cup that is running alongside of the women's rugby world cup it's been held up here in Auckland it involves Fiji, Tonga Australia, UK and then a combination team of Vanuatu Papua New Guinea did I mention the French are here the Fijians who looks simply sensational. So we're going to talk to Lucy Crabb right about 7.30 this morning. Uh, we're also going to run through my five greatest New Zealand Olympic moments. This is something that is done every week here on the programme. What do we officially call that? We call that the... On- no, do we call that the... what? We, they, we call that Frankie's Five, so we'll call that Watto's... What, what, can we call it Watto's Five? We can't really call it Watto's Five. It doesn't really ring, does yeah, it, Yeah, it needs to rhyme. Um, yeah, let me brainstorm that uh, off here, and I'll come back to you. Wonder, Watto's wonderful world of sporting moments, perhaps. Anyway, my first guest on the programme was born in Littleton. He loves Christchurch. He loves Canterbury. In fact, he's down there at the moment visiting his grandchildren. Of course, he is these days the voice of the America's Cup. His name is Peter Lester. He joins us. Morning to you, Peter. Morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. You got a name for me? Watto's Watto's what, mate? <laughs> you were struggling with that. No, no, no. I'm just struggling no, with having to be. There? I'm just struggling with having to be on air at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm struggling being a hardcore Aucklander having to celebrate Canterbury sport. <laughs> I just think it's fantastic hearing you stumbling around talking about the Cantabrians and their successes. Keep it up, mate. You'll be all right. Uh, Peter, now in 2023, March 18th to 19th, Sale GP is coming to Christchurch, which should be um, a wonderful spectacle and a really good opportunity for sailing lovers in Christchurch to get out and watch one of the real sort of uh, international 
emerging events. Now, you were born and bred in Littleton, so I just want to get your thoughts on what it's like to sail in Littleton Harbour and what are going to be some of the challenges. Well, Littleton Harbour, you know, Banks Peninsula is such as a, you know, as an extinct volcano. Littleton really is a, a, a notch between, you know, the, the crater of the volcano out into the, um, out into the sea. And what you have there, especially in the summer, is, is really the classic sea breeze place where the wind, you know, cold water out off, um, out off the Banks Peninsula, then the, the very hot Canterbury Plains, so you get this big thermal cranked up. Hence what you get in Littleton, especially in the afternoons, is a lot of wind. Um, and what I'm talking there is a solid 20 knots. Uh, which is just sucked into Littleton, and and that's the sort of condition. If if it's a classic ca- uh, summer day that they'll get, and for those boats that'll be challenging um, because Littleton also is it's actually quite shallow in there um, with the shipping channel that's being dredged out. So you get this geographic effect of um, quite a, a shallow harbour which pumps up a big seaway, and then you get this big sea breeze. So. I think for those cats, they're going to have a bit on in those conditions if if they get the classic um, uh, Littleton Harbour conditions. I, um, and there's not a lot of room in Littleton Harbour for boats that are going to be doing in excess of 40 knots. So, yeah, it will be a spectacle. I, I think it's a challenge for them to have this event in Littleton Harbour, though. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you that. So you're suggesting that these conditions are uniquely Christchurch, that they're not going to find anything like this anywhere else around the world on the circuit? No, no. Well, no. It, it's different. It's confined and it's breezy, and it's it can be quite cool. Um, although that won't affect them too much. But cool air has a lot of density to it, and a lot of density for for any yacht means more more power than the the wind speed that's showing on the dial. Um, yeah, no. It, it'll go off well. And one of the one of the things that's positive for Littleton is it, it's meant a redevelopment of that area. Um, down by the Littleton Yacht Club or Banks Peninsula um, Naval Point Yacht Club, and and that is a positive. I mean, it was really a bit of a dust bowl round there, and my I haven't seen it, but my understanding is it's it's been tarted up, it's been paved, uh, and it, it's it, that's a positive for Littleton for sure. Mm. So, in terms of you've talked about it being pretty small in terms of diameter and length, in terms of the actual racetrack itself, some pretty strong winds that do get up in the north. So. Would that tend to suit the New Zealand sailors, or just a good, uh, sa- or just the, a good sailor? Yeah, good sailors at this level. You know, the, the, actually, that's one of the highlights. This thing does attract some of the best sailors that sail these sort of boats, and it's relevant. We're only going what? We're only going to be, you know, just two years out from the America's Cup, and you got. Burling and Tuka there, of course, with the New Zealanders. Spittles there, uh, Slingsby's there, uh, Ben Ainsley, Sir Ben Ainsley, the, the Brit, he's there, and and so they're using it as a bit of a, you know, the the ongoing tune-up for the America's Cup. Mm. Different boats, same people, and they they certainly like to to get points on the board. Um, so look, the quality is is red hot. The other thing with Littleton, it's a bit of a one way track because of the geography of the place. And and what you're going to see is uh, after the boats settle down, they really want to pump the left hand corner going upwind. Um, and in terms of that, uh, you know, the, the that's the Littleton side, the port side, uh, is where the boats. Uh, that's the favoured side of the track. It is a bit of a one way track.
The, the lovely thing about Littleton, from a spectator point of view, it is a natural amphitheatre with the hills that surround the actual bay itself. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's a, you know it's an old volcanic cone, um, and yeah, the the spectators. My understanding is, I think it's nearly sold out in terms of the paid spectators, but there's plenty of vantage points ar- around Littleton up on the hills, you know. And for people that want to go and have a look, just take a damn good pair of um, you know take your tramping shoes, take a good pair of binoculars, and and uh, you you will be able to watch the boats, and um, they're they're well badged up. You see them from a long way away. Mm-hmm. Now, Peter, I just want to talk a little bit about your own career. I mean, you were world champion in the OK dinghy class in 1977, named New Zealand Yachtsman of the Year in 1977 and 1987, but you did grow up. You learnt the craft in Littleton, in Christchurch there. What are your memories? Uh, it being very challenging. Because <laughs> um, for a little kid, you know, for a, for a junior, yeah, I... Um, the Littleton Yacht Club um, was was pretty pretty tough going. In fact, what I used to do, or my dad had me doing, because it was I was quite small as a junior. Um, I in fact used to go over to the Christchurch Yacht Club, which is over by Reckless Sumner, uh, because Littleton as a youngster was just too challenging. Later on, before I moved to Auckland, uh, I moved up there when I was 21. Um, so in my intermediate years, yes, I did used to sail in Littleton Harbour. And, and I was pretty lucky, you know, in that area of um, Brett de Thier, who went to um, Kiel or to Germany for the Olympics. Uh, he did all his training on Littleton Harbour. And as a youngster, I used to get out there with Brett in the winter, which was, which was interesting in itself, and, and crash around. And, of course... Um, Peter and Graham Mander were, were really role models for us young Cantabrians at that time. There were damn good people um, in the in the Canterbury area who sailed, but it, it's not easy, um, especially through the winter months, if you want to train through the winter to, to sail down here. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. How big is the yachting community? How big is it amongst the youngsters? And what sort of, when you were growing up, what sort of major regattas did they hold in that part of the country? Oh, no, there was always plenty of regatta, especially through the summer, summer months. Um, I didn't ever do a junior nationals down here at that time. It was the Tanner and Tauranga Cup. Um, but certainly uh, Littleton Harbour was, was attractive for, you know, the likes of uh, especially not so much international yachting, but, but good national classes like the R-Class, the Javelins. Um, the P-Class did have nationals down here. And he, even now, there's a young guy from Ch- um, Chartres Bay who's who's looking really promising from, from the Canterbury, Will Leach. He's won the Optimus Nationals two years in a row. And doing that from south is, is no mean feat when you go up against, you know, the rafter kids that are that are so good out of Auckland. So Will Leach is a, is a young kid to look out for. He's got a long way to go yet but in the future. And, of course, Leslie Egnott was, was a Cantabrian, um, and she, she medalled at the Olympics mm. with uh, Jan Shearer. Um, so, and, and, of course, Peter Mander was, in my opinion, you look at, you talk, we talk about Peter Burling and, and Russell Coots, of course. Peter Mander was the first really great New Zealand yachtsman that we had, and, and he was very much from Canterbury. And I think he won the lightweight Sharpie class in, in Melbourne Olympics with uh, Jack Crop. So that was New Zealand's first gold medal. And, and uh, of course, he came out of Canterbury. No, just someone um, just texting in here wanting to know why they perhaps don't hold this in Akaroa. Well, it's probably just a little bit far away. Akaroa is a great spot to sail. 
And, and in fact, when I was a little, uh, through the summer months, uh, you know, getting ready to go to, before you went to national championships, um, I used to train over at Akaroa because it was a little bit lighter and the, the harbour's cranked round the other way, a uh, little bit lighter breeze, um, but it, it's a bigger harbour to sail in. I, I loved Akaroa, and um, I'd, love, I'd love to go back there sometime, mm. actually. Mm. Uh, uh, look, another text that's too it's great to appreciate people texting in here on double eight double three. Uh, someone wanting to know what changes would you make to sail GP for it to be a little bit in terms of the way they... Uh, just, just trying to abbreviate the text here in terms of the way they do things to... Um, in regards to getting, say, the best out of Littleton Harbour, so whether it be the starts, uh, whether it be yeah, the the format. Yeah, format wise, Sail GP they start on a, a reaching leg, which means they they start at ninety degrees through the wind, as opposed to trying to go straight upwind. I think on Littleton, putting in that little reaching leg to that first mark really is going to be quite tricky for them. Um, I, I like the. Tra- now I might be old, a bit of a dinosaur now, but I still like uh, traditional upwind starts where you start at the, the mark one is directly upwind from the start. That is not the case in Sail GP. Um, it's it's actually a format if you remember back to the uh, America's Cup when it was in San Francisco and in, in Bermuda where you started with a reach. I think it puts too much emphasis on the start and whoever wins Mark 1 pretty well if they sail well at that level. And and these guys are good. It's pretty hard hard to pass someone. I'm going to um, ask Brendan Laney, old chainsaw, and Brendan Egan, journalist with stuff, a little bit later. I'm going to ask them the same questions. I'm going to ask this to you, Peter. A little bit of tongue-in-cheek here. What would be wrong with calling the new rugby stadium in Christchurch? Okay, I want you to think about this long. What would be wrong with calling it Carlos Spencer Field? (laughs) What are you laughing for, Peter? I remember. I know what you're talking about. I remember. No, no. I just no. Simple question, Peter. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just a real simple question. I mean, the Cantabrians were all about unity under this current government. We're all about one. <laughs> oh dear me! I don't know what? if that'd go down. You don't think it would go down it'd well? Work at Auckland. No, I don't. don't think Carlos Spencer Field would go well in Christchurch. Uh, but you get the season ticket holders in that corner, wouldn't you? What, what was it? The right-hand corner, wasn't it, of, of Lancaster Park at that time, if I remember rightly, where he, uh, he saluted the crowd? Fantastic. They used to have Bernie's, they used to have Bernie's corner there, didn't they, at Athletic Park in Wellington? Hey, um, right, just the right. other one, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Ian Smith often does this. You've got to have your Mount Rushmore. You know, the president's etched into the cliff face. Um, if you were to do a Mount Rushmore of Cantabrians... In sport, I'm going to open. I'm going to make this more around rugby a little bit later for Brendan Laney and Brendan Egan. Who would who would be your Mount Rushmore? Who would be your three most famous Cantabrians? Oh dear! Of, of um, well, obviously for me, in, in terms, I'd have to have a yachty in there. And that, and probably that. Well, not probably. It'd be, it would be Peter Mander, the late Peter Mander. Yep. Um, and in terms of rugby, I just used to love that. that at my time uh, going to Lancaster Park, uh, Fergie McCormick was just fantastic because he was a, he was a character, damn good player, but an absolute character. So I'd, I'd, I think I'd have him in there as well. That's two. I need probably uh, either one more or, def- or two more. Up to you, Peter. Uh, in in terms of third, uh, um, 
I have had a soft spot for the hockey players um, yeah. of that time, sort of 76, and, and you know, a, a yachty that was a sailor, and, and he was a bloody good yachtsman and a better hockey player was, you know, Tony Ineson, who, of course, won the... He was the captain of the team in 76 in Montreal, and he and he scored a goal in that game against the Aussies. I'd, I'd put Tony right up there as well. No, that's brilliant. So Peter Mander, Fergie McCormick and Tony Ineson. Now, you actually did... I, I remember talking to you in Tokyo last year. You actually went and saw that 76 gold medal, didn't you? Because you were at those Olympic Games, what, in an unofficial capacity or sort of on standby? Oh, unofficial standby, whatever. At that time in Yachty 76, the, the Games um, were in Kingston in Ontario and I just happened to be in, in Europe doing um, sailing OK dinghies and on my way back. At that time, it was a, a lot looser than it is now and um, yachting asked me if on the way back I'd like to, to come through Kingston and, and, and attend the Olympics. Mo- Mo- boat, I think you'll find really. it was Montreal, Peter. Mo- yeah, but the yachting was... All oh, right, my apologies, OK. Yep. Sorry, Ontario. my apologies. My um, apologies, Peter. That's all right. It's good to get one over you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was just really, just really, really pleased that the education system down in Christchurch and Canterbury is working well. Oh, I didn't have time to go to school, mate, I tell you. <laughs> um, and uh, you, now you, I've lost my train of thought now. We were talking about the Olympic... Um, yeah, you, you watched uh, the hockey in Oh, I went to the game, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, when the sailing regatta finished, jumped on a bus, went up to Montreal, and Tony had organised for a ticket, to, or two tickets, one for me, one for Murray Ross, one of the yachties, and we went to the game, saw, saw them win it. Unbelievable. Um, you know, performance against the uh, against the Aussies, and uh, almost got arrested because we jumped on the field, ran across the field, field at the end of the game, and ended up in the changing rooms and. Uh, with the cops chasing us. So uh, I don't know if you can get away with that now. Mm, oh, brilliant. Hey, look, lovely to have you on the show, Peter. Uh, tonight, just out of, uh, you know, NPC semi-final, we've got Canterbury up against Bayer Plenty. You're confident your boys can get the job done? Yeah, well, they should on paper, but tough game, tough mm. game. Uh, but it's down here. It's in, I'm actually in Christchurch, my grandson's birthday this weekend. It's down here, isn't it, Mark? Um, it, it's hard to beat Canterbury in, in, in Christchurch. Um, I, I'd give... Um, yeah, Canterbury by what, eight, ten? You're telling the story, Peter. I'm a guy who I'm a guy who has just I'm a guy who has just suggested possibly the name of the new stadium should be Carlos Spencer Field. So I'm probably not the right guy to be talking to, Peter. <laughs> no, Canterbury by ten. Um, yeah. You'll remind me if I get that wrong. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Hey, Peter, lovely to have you on the program. Do enjoy your weekend down there. Do enjoy catching up with family and uh, some lovely insight there into Littleton Harbour and Sale GP set to go in March 2023. Thank you. Cheers, mate. All the best. There you go. Hey, um. I'm just, I started out swinging and missing outside of off stump and haven't really sort of settled. But I feel like I'm sort of now starting to see the new ball a little bit better and starting to get into my rhythm. It was a pretty shaky start. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, yeah, you've done well to uh, warm up uh, warm up the arm there, um, Watto. Um, Do you think the Canterbury's appreciate my humour? Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, not, they're pretty patriotic, I'd say. So I don't know um, if you're... You're coming off the back fences, let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, no, it'd be rude not to. Anyway, we're going to continue with our uh, Canterbury 3 and throughout the morning as we do celebrate Canterbury sport here on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Still to come on the programme, we will catch up with a member of the New Zealand Defence Ferns out of Burnham, Lucy Crabb. We've got our panel of Brendan Chainsaw Laney and Brendan Egan. I'm going to ask them the same question. Who is Canterbury's Mount Rushmore of sport? 
And really, what is what would be so wrong with a little bit of show us some love and let's get rid of all the angst and the tribalism that once exists and let's just give each other a big cuddle, Auckland and Canterbury, and sing Kumbaya, my lord, and campfires burning and call it new field Carlos Spencer Field. I'm, I'm struggling to understand what the issue might be. It's time for Frankie's Five. Actually, it's, uh, have we come up a name yet, Jacob, for Frankie's no, I like, Five? I like Watto's Wonders. Watto's Wonders, yeah, because Mark Watson with you, celebrating all things Canterbury sport. Um, yeah, lovely to catch up and chat with Peter Lester. So, look, Frankie's Five brought to you by South Island Forklifts. Do appreciate and acknowledge their sponsorship of this programme. Got a panel coming up again, and that'll be courtesy of Melray Electrical. Our Canterbury Rugby update, well, that'll be part of the rugby discussion, courtesy of Kevlar Homes. But let's have a look at Watto's Wonders or Frankie's Five today on the program. So I decided to look at what I consider to be our five best Olympic moments. What I believe to be our five best Olympic moments. The first one is an interesting one because a lot of people wouldn't have ever heard of him. But I'm actually going to put John Dutch Holland's bronze medal in 1952 in my top five because no one's heard of John Dutch Holland. Won a bronze medal in the 400 hurdles. How many people knew that? John Dutch Holland won a bronze medal in the 400 hurdles in 1952 at the Olympic Games. I put it number four, Peter Snell. People go, why Peter Snell at four and not at one? Because there's context, there's context. Snell was a freak. The double in 1964. He had the advantage of Arthur Lydia. Lydia changed the way athletes trained. Almost had an unfair advantage, Peter Snell, didn't he? But also for the fact, I think that the African nations were only really just beginning to emerge as a running powerhouse. But he'd also established himself in 1960 with that 800 metre victory. And by the time 1964 came around, he was actually one of the pre-Olympic Games favourites, but still one hell of a moment. Only three athletes in New Zealand Olympic history have won the individual double at the same Olympic Games. Daniel Loder, Peter Snell... And most recently, Lisa Carrington. Third, I have put Daniel Loder, and I've put the double of 1996. Often when I'm asked about Daniel Loder, I put Daniel up there as our greatest Olympian alongside of Peter Snell. People go, why? People forget the silver medal that he won in 92 in the butterfly. But if you go to the Olympics in the first week, the biggest sport is swimming. Sport in the 1990s was well and truly global, well and truly commercialised. Every major nation in the world has a swimming programme. And he won the two glamour events, the two and the 400 free. And to bring some context to it, Ian Thorpe in 2000 didn't manage the double. He finished second to Vanden Hugenbahn in the 200. It took him another four years to win the two and 400 double. And also Loder trained by himself in Dunedin at 4.30 in the morning in a crappy pool pretty much on his own. Remarkable athlete. But perhaps because he didn't have the personality of, say, a Sarah Olmar, I think he was maligned and I think he was marginalised. The fact that he is not knighted when other Olympic athletes have been, I think is a disgrace. Right. Let's move on to number two, Yvette Williams, long jump, 1952. First female Olympic champion from this country in the long jump, one of the premier track and field events from little old New Zealand. No real opportunity at that time to travel overseas, 
compete internationally on a regular basis. And then the number one Olympic medal for me, John Walker, 1976. Because he had to endure the boycott, 26 African nations boycotting the 1976 Olympics because the New Zealand All Blacks travelled to South Africa. So New Zealand was the focal point of the boycott. Walker was then the focal point within the New Zealand team. He had to wait the entire games. He was number one in the world. He was expected to win. He had to deal with all of that peripheral. And he goes on and wins that 1500 metre final. So they are Watto's, what do we call it again? Wonders. Watto's Wonders. I saw like the Frankie's Five. I think that just it rolls, doesn't it? Frankie's Five. Mm, yeah, yeah, it does. Frankie's fill in five today. Yeah. Is there a number that goes with Watto? Watto's. Watto's. Mm, wonderful. No, but there's no. not a number, is there? Not really. No, not, not really. really. It's a bit tough. Um, hey, look, I also just um, want to update you on what is happening in Canterbury, what's going on. Uh, it's Ashburton Cup Day today. Now, make sure you don't change the dial. Louis and Mick are with you from eight to talk you through all of their best picks. Tomorrow, listen to Trot's Talk with Michael Guerin and Greg O'Connor from 11am to hear the latest from the track at Omaru as well. I'd imagine a lot of people in Canterbury are waking up this morning going bike riding. Wonderful, wonderful city for riding bikes. Really, really good um, university athletic club at the moment. Recently won the New Zealand Road Relay Championships. I've got to say, when it comes to multi-sport and sports highlight, very, very conducive. I just had a text come in from Mike. Mike's, Mike's been a little bit naughty. He's been a little bit derogatory towards people in Canterbury. He's having a bit of a crack at me. I won't read it to you, but Mike, 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 Mike. I don't believe a word you're saying on the text about those that live in Canterbury. <laughs> it is 7.30. You are listening to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner celebrating all things out of Christchurch, all things Canterbury. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to go inside the Defence Ferns camp. This is the women's rugby team. The Defence Force have the equivalent of the Defence Rugby World Cup on at the moment, running alongside of the Women's Rugby World Cup. So we will... Chat in one moment with Lucy Crabb. I was going to say far better looking than Frankie Mackay, but that is not true. Mark Watson with you. Some texts that have come in on the temper text machine. Watto's wonderful. What's the best? So instead of Frankie's five. And then someone saying, hey, Watto, brilliant name for Christchurch Stadium. Carlos Spencer Stadium. I like it. Go the Bay of Plenty. That comes from Craig in Tauranga. But anyway, currently being run alongside of the Women's Rugby World Cup is the Defence Force International Rugby Competition. It includes France, the United Kingdom, Fiji, Tonga, Australia, New Zealand, Vanuatu and Papua New Guinea, which are a combined team. Now, the Defence New Zealand women's team are known as the Defence Ferns. It's made up of players from the Army, the Navy and the Air Force. A member of the Defence Ferns who is based down in Burnham in Christchurch is Lucy Crabb. She joins us this morning on the programme. Lucy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Uh, Look, good game yesterday. Uh, Comfortable victory over Tonga, but some big, big tackles in it. How's the body this morning? Uh, yeah, a little bit sore, but that was expected. We knew they were going to come out real physical, so <laughs> yeah. it was good. Are you enjoying your time in the Defence Ferns? Are you enjoying this tournament? I mean, you've got the national anthems, you're wearing basically the colours of your country. It must feel pretty special. Yeah, it is pretty special. It's pretty awesome um, to be a part of. Pretty cool to be able to play teams from overseas. 
um, and then just get to hang out with them and stuff after the game and whatnot, meet a few new faces and stuff, yeah. Mm. And where are you originally from, Lucy? Uh, down sort of Otago way. Okay, so you are South Island based, but since you've been in the army, you've been based at Burnham, so Christchurch is pretty much the local city these days? Yeah, Christchurch is home nowadays, which is cool. Or tell us a little bit about Christchurch. What do you like about it? See, this is a Christchurch-based show, Lucy, so you you better be really, really careful what you say here. You're only allowed to say positive (laughs) things, Lucy, okay? Only ever positive things about Christchurch. No, it's awesome. Um, Love the environment down there. Get amongst it, play some sports and whatnot. Um, Beautiful place, Canterbury. You do, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're doing really, really well, Lucy. They're loving you already. Uh, big night, big game tonight, Lucy. Uh, we've got the Canterbury men's side taking on Bayer Plenty. Canterbury going to win this one? Surely. Surely they'll win it. <laughs> is it is it one up front? Sorry? Is it one up front? Yeah. It's always one up front, yeah. isn't nah, it? No, it must be. It's, it's always, always one up front. It's always one up front. Hey, um, what made you decide to get into the military? What made you decide to get into the services? Um, just wanted to try something different. Didn't really know what I wanted to do at university, so I was like, oh, well, I'll go learn something new, <coughs> um, train while I'm going, and then just to help out and serve. And so you decided that you, what, you'd go into the Army versus the Air Force or versus the Navy? Yeah, yeah. And then I said, come back. Come back to Christchurch and be posted down homeways, um, still be close to the family and whatnot. So, so within the army, uh, what are you sort of specialising in? What, what, how does how does your day look within within the services? Are you a certain division or? Yeah, so I'm a caterer by trade, so fully qualified chef now, which is awesome. So my day pretty much we just go in, um, cook for our warrant officers and sergeants, and they get sort of a four course uh, menu or a four option menu sort of thing for lunch and dinner that we get to go in and create as the IC. So whatever you feel like cooking for the day, you just go in and cook it. Have you spent some time have you spent some time overseas? Uh yeah, went to Fiji this year in July, which was an awesome opportunity as well. Um went over there and cooked with the officer cadets or supporting the officer cadets that went over for a training exercise with the Fijians over there. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I'd imagine being the one that provides food, you're either loved or hated, depending on the quality of the meal. Do you feel the pressure? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always feel the pressure. But you know when you've done a terrible job, which is <laughs> which is good, but I also appreciate a good feed, which is ideal. Yeah. Uh, Lucy Crabb on the programme, a member of the Defence Ferns. Tell us a little bit about Burnham. I've heard a lot about it, never been, don't know too much about it. What's life like at Burnham? Oh, it's pretty good, eh? Um Pretty inclusive down there. Everyone's all supportive. A um, few different trades down there, um, which is good to get amongst. Awesome culture. Uh, yeah, get amongst it. Well, tell us, tell us about the accommodation. Do you get your own room or do you have to sort of bunk it up? Yeah, no. Nah, so if you're living in barracks on base, uh, you get your own room and own facilities and stuff through that. They've just upgraded the mess, which is where everyone eats. So that's got way better. And then, yeah, there's defence housing at the back of camp if you've got a family and stuff. So you're super close to work, but you're not in camp. 
and can live with their family and whatnot. So that's, yeah, it's ideal. Okay, um, now let's talk about sport within the Defence Forces because uh, what a wonderful opportunity to be able to play some sport and be able to represent your country. How big is sport as part of the overall defence curriculum and day-to-day life? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty big, um, especially if you want to get into it. The bosses are usually pretty supportive in um, helping you get leave from work and go play sports and whatnot, especially coming up for something like this. Um, everyone was real supportive of the campaign. And, um, yeah, everyone pretty much got cleared from their jobs. Um, heaps of different range of sports within the Defence Force um, that you can go away and do. Um, yeah. And how much of a challenge has it been for the coaching staff to bring this Defence Ferns team together across the three different um, defence services and having to get you guys to gel? And have you enjoyed the experience as a player? Yeah, I've absolutely loved the experience. Um, it's been awesome so far. Um, but, yeah, it would have been very hard. Well, it was quite hard for the coaches to get us all to gel together. We had oh, one game before... We uh, started this campaign as a full team. Um, so, yeah, that was good to get a wee hit out before we come up here. But we're just growing game to game from there, pretty much, which has mm. been ideal. Mm. Now, big game on Wednesday, semi-finals time. You come up against the Aussies. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good test. Put us through our paces a little bit. Awesome Trans-Tasman rivalry going on. So it'll be good fun. Well, look, all the very best, Lucy, and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. This We are celebrating Canterbury. I think you did a really, really good job in terms of selling the city, Lucy. Oh, thank you. OK. Thanks for having us. Enjoy the day. Make sure you cook well. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. There you go. Lucy Crabb, a member of the New Zealand Defence Ferns, and I do encourage people, if you live in the Auckland region, Greater Auckland region, even though this is a Canterbury-based show, get yourself along um, to College Rifles on Wednesday semi-finals we've got Fiji who are a very very good side taking on the French and we've got the might of New Zealand taking on a very good Australian team places in the finals up for grabs it is coming up to 17 minutes away from 8 we'll take a break when we come back courtesy of Melray Electrical it is the panel with Brendan Laney and Brendan Egan I keep saying it but without doubt She's far better looking than I am. Mark Watson sitting in for Frankie Mackay. It's our panel time here as we celebrate all things Canterbury, all things Christchurch, courtesy of Melray Electrical. Our panel, looking forward to this one, Brendan Egan, a journalist out of from based in Christchurch, writing for Stuff, does some great work, and the man they simply call Chainsaw, Brendan Naney. Morning to you, gentlemen. Hey, look, now, I just want you to have a wee think about this quickly. At the end of this, I am going to ask you, because this is something that that Ian Smith does regularly, I do need the Mount Rushmore of Canterbury Sport, so three people that you'd put, you know, etch their face into the side of a granite cliff. Uh, I I will say this, Brendan Laney, true story. When I was asked about my Otago rugby, I had you, Stewie Forster, the Bear, and Mark Ellis. Because I think you epitomised everything about Otago rugby. Oh, cheers, man. I'm fresh out. I was sort of might have been there because we were good at the uh, aftermatch when the, when the beers came out. But yeah, no, thanks, buddy. Hey, now, Brendan Egan, I'm going to start with on a light-hearted note. What would be wrong with calling the new Canterbury Rugby Stadium Carlos Spencer Field? 
Oh, that's rough, isn't it? Gosh. <laughs> One of our uh, favourite uh, people down here, Carlos Spencer, after that uh, infamous game many uh, years ago with that try he got. I mean, I don't think any, any Canterbury's ever forgiven him, have they? 2004, Joe Rockathoko. Yeah. But, but yep, I mean, well, it's, all, it's all about unity now. It's all about coming together. Let's be honest, tribalism no longer exists. That's right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they go with for the stadium. But, yeah, I don't know, don't know if that'll go down too well down here. <laughs> what about you, Brendan Laney? Anything wrong with the Carlos Spencer field? Well, I have no problem with it, but um, I think <laughs> my, a lot of people in, uh, in Christchurch will be. But, um, look, uh, uh, it'd be nice if they just build the bloody thing first to be good so we can uh, get on with it. No, well said. Um, such a shame it's taken so long. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, Brendan Egan, let's look at the game tonight in all seriousness. Bay of Plenty taking on Canterbury. I was running through both sides earlier, and I've got to admit, I'm looking forward to the front row battle. Bay of Plenty, Aiden Ross, Kurt Eklund, Tavita Mafaleo, and then you look at Tamaiti Williams, Brody McAllister, and Ollie Yeager. Do you believe Bay of Plenty have a chance? Um, I don't. I think Canterbury's going to be too strong. Um, I saw quite a bit of that game last week against Waikato, and I don't know, I just got the feeling that maybe that was their final. I mean, it's, it's going to be a huge effort, isn't it, coming down here, playing at Christchurch. I mean, Canterbury's just so strong at home. They've been so dominant that uh, Canterbury team under Marty Burke this season. Um, I think the Red and Blacks will be too strong. But, you know, Bay of Plenty, they've, um, they've really impressed this season. And as I say, last week, they were they really stepped up, didn't they, in that game against Waikato. They were fantastic. But uh, I think uh, this season will end tonight in Christchurch. Brendan Laney, if you're coaching Bay of Plenty, how do you beat Canterbury? Well, uh, that's a great question, isn't it? Um, I'm probably not paid enough for that one, but uh, look, I, look, semi-finals are funny things. Um, you know, even I think everyone would have probably picked what Canada beat Bay of Plenty last week. Um, they've played some great rugby, haven't they? They've, uh, they've done some really good stuff up front. Their backs are slick. Um, I, I, I think... Um, Canary won't be taking them lightly. Um, look, I, I know Canary playing some outstanding rugby and they have all year. I think the coaches have got them really fuzzing and it's been and it's been really exciting for them to see them sort of turn around their fortunes after the last couple of seasons. Um, they are bloody tough to play at home, aren't they? I mean, they really are. But both are going to come down and they'll post some, post some questions. Um, look, at the end of the day, semi-finals come down to defence. We saw that last night with Wellington. They defended really, really well and and um, you know, Canterbury are going to have to do exactly the same because you know, the, the Bay of Plenty boys are going to come down and throw the kitchen sink at them, which I think is exciting. That's what makes the MPC um, so cool, is uh, you know, any team can beat anyone on the day. Though, look, I do agree with Brendan as well. They'll be really tough to beat at home. Um, or, or if you were a betting man, yes, you'd probably tilt towards Canterbury um, at home because they have been so good to beat at home. But... Uh, so hard to beat at home, but gee, um, yeah, I just, yeah, Bay of Plenty are a good team. They're not in the semi-final for for no reason. So I think it'll be a real good one to sit down and and uh, grab a beer and watch because it'll be uh, it'll be a really good game of rugby. Mm. Um, Brendan Egan, I, I just want to ask you about George Bridge. It's been announced that he's going to head off to France. I think he's possibly playing for Montpellier. Um, he seems to be a player that's just gone way too soon. So New Zealand Rugby have done more to try and keep him here? It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, as you say, like, he's, he's been so good for the Crusaders, and, you know, when he has got a chance for the All Blacks, he's been pretty good, but, man, there's just so many good wingers in New Zealand, isn't there, at the moment, and, uh, you know, such good depth out wide, and 
Yeah, I mean, maybe they should have done more, but it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, you can't you can't keep everyone in New Zealand rugby. It's a production line. It just produces so many good players. And, you know, there are a lot of good wingers, um, you know, outside back here in the country at the moment. So, yeah, it's, it's sad to see him go because, I mean, he's been so good for the Crusaders. I remember actually watching him play for high school old boys when I first started at the press in 2013. You could just tell. I think he'd come down. He was sort of in his early years at university down here and uh, he had a bit of class about him and it's just been great to see him kick on you know, to the Crusaders, do well for the All Blacks and uh, it is sad to see him go because he's, uh, he's still still playing good rugby. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We just seem to have this amazing depth that just seems to appear and we always seem to have plenty of plenty of wingers. George Bridger, I mean, uh, Brendan, last year, Brendan Laney, uh, last year, look, a couple of bad games, more just under the high ball at times, but... He just never seemed to recover from that. I'm not sure whether he recovered himself mentally from it or whether the coaches and the selectors forgave him for it. Yeah, too. I fell for him a bit because he, he was one of the four wingers by, by a long shot. Um, and he nailed, nailed down the left wing um, position. And, and uh, you know, when you go back a bit and, and the way he played for the Crusaders as well, he, he also played a bit of fullback. And, um, like he was, he was, you know, like, like at the end of the day, you don't play as many tests for the All Blacks without being very good. But, you know, you, you nailed it on the head too. The amount of players that are around on the wing at the moment uh, makes it really tough. And I suppose that's what makes the All Blacks really good too. Um, you know, you, you have one guy who just goes out of form a little bit and next minute he's uh, he's back in the, he's got a guy right behind him pushing him. So, um, you know, I feel for George, but uh, look, this, opportunity to, for him to go overseas and he's only 27 years old um, he's still got plenty of rugby under his mm. belt um, he'll have an outstanding time overseas mm. I know he will um, it's uh, around about the same time I hear over myself so uh, and, and he's gone to a really good club mm. too um, he'll mm. love the French uh, French 14 top 14 mm. so um, I wish him all the best but it's sad to see him go it is sad to see him go, um, and and you know it wouldn't have been nice if he sort of gone out in his own terms as well. So mm. um, I wish him all the best, but yeah, sad to see him uh, head away. Okay, um, right. I'm going to come back, uh, Brendan Egan, to my original thing, and I I want your Mount Rushmore. Now it can be generic, it can be just Canterbury sport, or it can be Canterbury rugby. I need three, please. Well, I mean Richard Headley's got to be a lock, doesn't oh, he? Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Right well said, here. superb. Um, yep. Yep. Um, I know it's. Uh, I know he's from um, North Otago, but I mean, he, he, he lives here and he's obviously, you know, played for the Crusaders for for a long time. I mean, Richie McCaw, the goat. I mean, I don't think you can go past him, can you? And um, you know, Dan Carter was a big one for me. You know, like I'm obviously a little bit younger, and uh, you know, he was just such a, a great player for the Crusaders, Canterbury, and the All Blacks for so long. Um, he'd be in mind. I know some uh, older listeners, you know, might go for some of the uh, some of the great Canterbury rugby players from back in the day. But for me. Um, in my sort of mid-30s, uh, it would be Headley, McCaw and Carter for my, uh, my three on Mount Rushmore. OK, Brendan Laney, I've got 30 seconds, my good man. Mate, Todd Burkhead, he'd have to be on there, wouldn't he, somewhere? Um, definitely from a rugby point of view, I, I also agree with uh, Richard Headley. He was one of mine. I'm not just trying to take Brendan's, but uh, you'd have to stick a nipple in there somewhere and uh, um, my nipple knowledge is not best, so I'm, I'm going to leave one space here to be for you, mate. OK. <laughs> no, Brendan Laney, Brendan Egan, lovely to have you on the programme. Do appreciate it. Thank you for your time this morning. That is us. We are done and dusted. Another show, the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Special thanks to everybody that did listen, that everybody that did text in. Do appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again at some point in the future. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.